normally have, and uh, but I just want to make sure, <laughs> brother, he'd laugh. I just want to make sure that uh, you're not here to hear me preach, but you're here to hear the power of the Holy Spirit and His Word, and, and I know that as we preach God's Word, it'll not come back void. When did God plan Christmas? When did God plan Christmas? That's going to be our question that we want to answer this morning. And uh, as we go through the scriptures, we're going to be using Acts chapter 17 uh, to answer this question. And I, I have to tell you, I have never preached a Christmas message out of the Acts chapter 17. It's, uh, this is something I, I came across last week and as I was studying for this morning. And uh, I, I forget, I heard someone mention this on the radio, just uh, this uh, event that Paul was facing in his life. And I went, Wow. That will make a good Christmas message. So this is what we're this is what we're going to look at this morning. Acts chapter seventeen. I will I will do an introduction before we get to that. So uh, just bear with me as we make our way to that. The apostle Paul. He was uh, he'd been traveling around the west coast of Asia and the east coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Now all along that Mediterranean Sea. You'll know that over the years, Paul had gone on three different mission journeys. So, hold on just a second. Paul had gone on to three different mission journeys. Now, what I want to tell you is what Paul was preaching and what he was teaching while he's going into these villages and into these towns. And uh, while he's preaching, this is what he was preaching. He was preaching about Jesus, okay? Now, listen to what some of the things that he was saying about Jesus. He's going into some of these towns. Some of these towns are not Jewish towns. They're, they're Gentiles. Uh, the Gentiles back then, we need to understand, had never heard about Abraham and Isaac. They'd never heard about the Ten Commandments. And he goes into these towns, and he begins to preach, and this is what he preaches. He preaches that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Oh, you've met the Son of God? You're telling me that God has a Son? Another thing that he was telling them, he says, listen, this Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. I want you to know this is something that some of these people had never heard before. He was teaching that he came to earth to freely give his life for the payment of sin. Now, did you hear that? He came to this earth to freely give his life for the payment of sin. Now, I want to, I, some of you may be offended this morning. Many of the people in the villages and the towns that Paul was going to was offended when they said, Paul says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Some of them were offended when Paul said, there is none righteous, no, not one. Some of you may be offended this morning when, first, when John wrote in the book of 1 John, he says, if you say that you have not sinned, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. So see, when Paul is going into these villages, one of the things he's telling them, he says, Jesus, the Son of God, came to make a free payment for your sins. That's what he said. He says, Jesus has come and he is... He is paying a price for your sins. He died on a cross, and the blood that he shed was shed for that payment. Now, some people didn't really understand what he was saying. 
This morning, I want you to be here and I want you to completely understand what the Scripture tells us about this payment. In Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Let me make sure you understand that. What happens if you take the blood out of your bodies? You die. It's simple as that. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Now understand that back in the Old Testament, most of us know there was an altar and they would kill a goat or a sheep or a bull or an oxen, and that was a payment for the atonement for their souls. But it was something that had to continue and continue and continue. Paul comes and he preaches. He says, listen, I want you to know the Son of God has came to this earth. He died on the cross, and the blood that was shed on that cross is what makes the payment for your sin debt. That's what he's going in here preaching. All right, And when we look in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18, it tells us, it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold or things like that, he says, But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's what he's coming in here telling them. So understand, understand, when Paul is going into these towns, this is the message that he is giving them that we're all sinners, but don't fret. Jesus, the Son of God, has come and lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He shed blood to make that payment for sin. It's free. A free. He gave his life. It also goes on. It says he taught that this payment of sin, you could apply it to your life, but the wages of sin without this payment is death. And that means, simply mean in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, simply means that you have an eternal separation and damnation from God without this payment. But again, Paul keeps emphasizing, listen, you need to know that this payment for your life, this payment for your sin is free. Jesus paid it. It's a gift. I love that. He taught that if you believed in your heart the things that Jesus had done for you, though his, through his death, burial, and resurrection, that you might have eternal life. I do not know why. I, and some of you can probably notice this. I have used Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10, I bet the last four or five Sundays in a row. I don't do it on purpose. It just comes up in my sermons. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Did you hear that? Saved from what? The, the first step into salvation is to realize that you are a sinner just like Paul was telling them. He says, listen, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that he died on the cross for my sins, that he was dead and he was buried and he was resurrected, you can have salvation. That's what he's saying. Now listen, we're not even nowhere close with when did God plan Christmas yet. We're still just talking about what Paul was preaching when he was going from city to city. This is something else that he also taught. He taught that this gift or this salvation is free of charge. 
couple of verses that bear that out. In Romans 6.23, I didn't read it all a while ago, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. How many of you have to pay for a gift? It's, it's free. Romans 10 and 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He didn't charge for it. He gave. This is a free gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever do what? Believeth shall have everlasting life. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15, it says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Ephesians 2 and 8, it says, For by grace are you saved. It's not of yourselves, but it is a gift. Now, do, you, do we understand now that what Jesus Christ has done is a gift? And I didn't even, I didn't even come close to how many times it talks about the gifts that Jesus Christ has given to us. I mean, over and over and over. There's, there's one scriptures in, in Romans that it uses the word and talks about the gift that God has given us about six scriptures in a row. It's in every single one of those scriptures talking about the gift that he has given us through his son Jesus. So, Paul, man, I love this part right here. Paul is going into all of these towns I mean, all along the Mediterranean coast, he's made three different trips. And then he goes in there and he says, Listen, guys, all of us have got a problem. We're all sinners, but fear not. Jesus Christ has come. He died on the cross for our sins. He's given us this free gift of salvation. And all of the people in those towns applauded and said, Thank you, Paul. Is that what happened? Oh, goodness, no. 2 Corinthians, and I didn't, I didn't put that scripture in my notes, but in 2 Corinthians it says one place he was, he was beaten with rods five times. He was, he was uh, flogged three different times. He was stoned and left for dead once or twice. I mean, they did not accept this message that Jesus came and made a sacrifice for them and it could be freely given. I think they probably stopped at the part where it said, he come in there saying, y'all are a bunch of sinners. I think he probably... Uh, that probably turned them off. They didn't even get to the free gift part. Well, so let's get ready for chapter 17 here in Acts. This is what's taking place right before he goes into the, the city of Athens. All right? Paul has just came out. He's, he's, uh, he's gone into the town of Philippi, and he's preaching in the town of Philippi, and he gets in a little trouble there. Uh, some, some girl had a demon inside her and Paul cast out that demon and you know what they rewarded Paul with? They chained him to the floor of their prison. That's, that's what you get for casting out demons in our people. They arrested him and they put him in the floor of the prison. While he's in the floor of the prison, if you remember this, this event that took place in Paul's life in the middle of the night, the ground shook, his chains were set free. Remember the guard pulled out his sword and was going to fall on his sword and, and kill himself? And Paul said, stop. We're all here. No one's left. We're all here. And that Philippian jailer said, uh, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
Uh, but he's just he's passing through Philippi. He gets he gets out of Philippi and he goes into the city of Thessalonica. He comes into the city of Thessalonica and he's there for three whole weeks. And the people in Thessalonica get so mad at Paul they run him out of town. So he gets out of Thessalonica and he goes to another little old town called Berea. He gets over in the town of Berea. Man, he's doing good work. They're listening to what he has to say. And then some of them folks in Thessalonica heard that he was over there and they run over and run him off again. The greatest gift in all the world and people don't want to have it. You know what? We're the same way today. Man, these church, our churches should be busting at the seams with people just flooding in here to hear the message of the free gift that Jesus saves. Watch this. So Paul, he enters into the city of Athens. As a matter of fact, the disciples have kind of done this. They said, Paul, you sure are causing a ruckus. Here, let us take you out of Berea. And here, go down here in the city of Athens and you just be quiet. Mind your own business and, and we'll come back and get you and we'll start taking our trip again later on. Well, what do you think Paul does when he gets to Athens? You think he finds him in a little quiet motel room and... Turns on HBO and takes a break. No, that's not what Paul done. First thing Paul done, he goes down to one of these Jewish synagogues and he goes to preaching. And he's preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, keep in mind, Athens is not a Jewish city. Athens is a Gentile city. Paul, as he's walking through town, as he's walking down the main street of Athens, he begins to notice all of the idols and all of the altars. Here's one to the sun god. Here's one to the fertility god. Here's one to the harvest god. Here's one to the rain god. I mean, as he's walking through, he recognizes, oh, man, these people have a desire to know God. As a matter of fact, and we'll read that in just a second, <clears throat> he comes up to one idol and it says, to the unknown God. In other words, these people in Athens wanted to cover all their bases in case they missed one. They wanted to worship God. We're going to worship the unknown God. But now, remember what I told you that Paul was teaching and preaching as he's going into all these cities. That Jesus is the Son of God. That we're sinners. That he offers this free gift if you will believe. Now, let's look in, in Acts chapter 17. And look in verse number 20. Look in verse number 20. Again, I told you that the city of Athens is full of people that have knowledge or are seeking after God. They're seeking religion. They're, they're wanting this. So when Paul comes in there, he is preaching and teaching something they had never heard of. In verse number 20 it says, For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, we would know therefore what these things mean. In other words, Paul, we're inviting you to come sit down in amongst us and tell us about this strange Jesus that we've never heard of. So now Jesus, I mean, now Paul is sitting there amongst all of these philosophers and all of these scientists that have been worshiping all of these gods and watch. He is fixing to tell them about Jesus. He is fixing to clarify the things that they were trying to find he says, listen, I am fixing to give you the answers to life. So what, look what he says in Acts chapter 17 and verse 22. 
Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and he said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all the things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made by hands. Now, I, I want to stop. I, I want to hit these verses. Just I don't want to just pass right through them. This is what Paul is telling him. He says, listen, the God that y'all are looking for, he says, I'm fixing to show him to you. This unknown God that y'all think you don't know about, let me tell you, I'm fixing to reveal to you this God. He says, the God that you are worshiping here that you do not know His name, I want you to know He is the God of all creation. He is the God in Genesis 1 and 1 that they are not familiar with at all. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He says, I'm revealing this God to you. He says, I, this is the God that you do not have to worship with your hands. In other words, God does not require you to build an, an idol or a statue or temples. He says, listen, the God that you're seeking is living and can live right here inside your hearts. He'll get to that in a minute. But what he says right here, he said, the God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. In Colossians chapter 1, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible, Colossians chapter 1, now let me get to it. Verses 16 and 17 says this, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, the things that are visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Now, I, I want you to know, hey, next time you run into somebody and they ask the question, well, man, I don't know what I'm even doing here on this earth. Well, just let them know. God created you for Him, and you were created by Him. I want you to know that answers all questions. You're here because Jesus wants you to worship and honor your life to Him. That's what, that's what the whole thing is about. But he says, listen, the God that y'all are looking for is the God of all creation. He is bigger than all of these others. They could not comprehend. We're going we're gonna to create a God to the sun and to the moon and to, to the stars and to the harvest and all these. See, they, they couldn't comprehend that there was a God that was mightier than all of those single gods. And Paul is revealing that to them. Look what the next verse tells us. Verse number 25, Neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life, breath, and all things. Do we recognize that everything you possess was given to you by God? Every heartbeat that you have, it is not because you're just so healthy. Every breath that you take, understand, everything that you have, everything that consumes your whole life is a gift given to you by God. Look what the next verse says. Oh, I love this. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed 
and the bounds of their habitation. Have y'all noticed that scripture before? Every single person on this earth, whether they are black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Oriental, it does not matter. God made mankind the same. You are no better or no worse because of who you are. God created all mankind. We are all of the same blood. But he does tell us right here, I, I kind of like this, that he appointed where they would live. Did you know up until about 200 years ago that all, most of all of the races and stuff were in an individual place other than, than shipping? They were not able to travel across the skies like they are now, man, live. I mean, people can go everywhere now. It's, this is something brand new to us. God had placed them in an area, but now it's, it's diverse. All part of God's plan. This is all part of God's plan. So he said he divided them up and he is giving them all of these plans. I, I want you to know that God knows each and every one of us so well. We, I wish we had time to stop and read Psalms 139 this morning. Psalms 139. As individuals, as you sit there, Psalms 139 says, Before the next word comes out of your mouth, God already knows what it's going to be. Not only that, before you think it, before you think, I wish this preacher would hurry up and get done, he already knows you thought that too. <laughs> All right? The Bible tells us before you, were, before you were even in your mother's womb, God knew you in the secret place. He knew you before you were created in your mother's womb. I wish I could get this across to some people. God knows exactly how you are, who you are, and He wants you to praise Him. And you say, well, I can't do that or I can't do this. Let me tell you, God would not have created you with the ability to do it if He didn't want you to do it. He wants you to praise Him. He's given that to you. Before you were ever created, He knew He was going to give that to you. Telling you, my, my grandson, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not shaming anyone. I, I find very few people who give God more glory than Caden Bickley. My goodness, he talks about Jesus almost 24-7. And he's got Down syndrome. My goodness, that little boy loves Jesus. I sometimes wish I loved Jesus as much as he loves Jesus. What's the thing about Jesus loves me every day? Not a day goes by that he doesn't mention Jesus. I want you to know he created each and every one of us in here to love Jesus the same amount. Every single one of us. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible tells us in Psalms 139, he says the thoughts that God has of you, if you can count the number of sands in the sea, that's how often God thinks about you. You're on his mind constantly. Not a thing in, a, not a thing in us escapes God. You have a headache, God knows about it. You stump your toe, God knows about it. And you say, Brother Wayne, he's not worried about those things. He loves you and he worries about those things. That's how much he worries and loves you. Look what this next verse says. That they... Let me back up to verse 26. Wow, you, you need to see this because a lot of people say, well, how in the world are those people in Africa going to know about Jesus if nobody goes and tells them? Well, he expects us to go and tell them, but watch this. Verse 26, And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of the habitation that they should seek 
the Lord. You remember in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it tells us that no man will have an excuse. I want you to know in every single person, God has put something in them that they should seek the Lord. In all of mankind, they put in there that they should seek the Lord. How many times have we read in history about the Indians when they come over to America and they would find these these places and these carvings in their caves and they were religious carvings but they weren't to Jesus they weren't to they were to the harvest god or the hunting god you want to know why they're doing that because there's something in them that caused them to seek after the lord every single one of us have that in us paul has come here to this group of people and he says listen i see that you want to know the lord let me introduce you to him let me introduce you to him. So that's what he is doing here. That they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. I know sometimes we find ourselves in situations in life and we go, man, where is God right now? He's right here. He's right here. He's not far. All he's asking sometimes is for us to just look, for, just just speak to him. Man, he's he's just he. You know, I don't know how many of you have dogs. We have dogs at our house, and I mean, they'll come up and they're just and and they're like just oh, put, just put your hand on my head, just put your hand on my head, and I mean, they're just okay, okay. That's all. I want you to know the Lord is just he is just pleading with you. Just speak to me. I'm right here. You're looking for answers in life. I'm right here. You're not going to find it in that. You're not going to find it over there. I'm right. I'm right here. I'm not far from you. Now listen, understand, he's talking to all these theologians and these philosophers and he's telling them about how God is right there with them. Man, y'all have made this idol up here to this unknown God. I want you to know he's right here. And I'm fixing to tell you about him. I'm fixing to tell you about Jesus and the death and burial and the resurrection. Verse 29, For as much then... As we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone, graven by any man's device. And the times, listen, this is the scripture right here. We've even found out about Christmas. And the times of this ignorance, God winked at. Now, what in the world does that mean? For 4,000 years after God created earth, for 4,000 years, I want you to know, He made relationships with man. Oh, I, I, I wish I could cut out 30 minutes right now and describe these relationships that God has made with man. God created a garden and dealt with man. And what did man do? Disappointed God, sinned against God. So God took them out of the garden. He made a plan for them to have a relationship with Him through the way that He established it with Adam and Eve outside the garden. What happened? Man disappointed God. So He destroys the earth through the flood. And let me, let me show you something here. Most people think God was a horrible God. We serve a gracious and a merciful God. God realized that every imagination of man was only on evil. And when God destroyed the earth, God did not let it slowly 
flood the earth. It didn't get up to their ankles and they go, oh man, we're in trouble. They get up to their knees. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? The stories where you see people going up and pounding on the ark door and saying, Noah, let us in. Let me tell you, we served a merciful God. The Bible says that the water came down from the heavens and it came up from the earth. And I want you to know, judgment was quick. Men didn't suffer, but they were judged. But they didn't suffer, they were judged. And it was because God was dealing with man. God knew that man was sinners. He had that sinful heart. So he was merciful to them. I know some of you won't. No, he wouldn't. He, he flooded the earth. He killed. Yeah, because God loved man so much, he still wanted to make a way for God, for man to have a relationship with him. So then he, he brought Moses and they developed the law. Man could not please God through the law. They served idols. So I'm just saying that God is seeking and working on a relationship. So all of these sacrifices on the altar, all of this went on to Adam and Eve, this was God winking. This was God winking. But now, underline those two words in your Bible. But now, he commendeth all men everywhere to repent. What in the world does that but now mean? Let me tell you what that but now is. But now... Christmas has come. Christmas has come. In other words, in God dealing with all of mankind and is trying his best to establish a relationship that they would accept and that they would receive, God knew the only way mankind could have an eternal relationship with him is when he would have to send the perfect sacrifice. The blood of animals. That was God winking. But now... God commended His love in us that He sent forth His Son, the perfect sacrifice. And He now commands all men to repent of their unbelief in Jesus. Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but my me. God no longer is winking at the fact that you won't believe. God is no longer winking at that. You must believe in order to have salvation. You must believe that Jesus came, that he died on the cross, that the blood was the payment for sin, that he was buried and he rose again from the grave. Without that, God no longer winks at sin. Your sin debt has been paid if you will only believe. So the question we're asking this morning is when did God plan Christmas? This is a scripture you need to turn to in your Bible. In Galatians chapter 4. This is one you need to underline. I guess this is probably the best Christmas message that you can, you can build a sermon around is Galatians chapter 4. Even in all that is told in Matthew and all that is told in Luke about the how Jesus came and was born in a stable, born of Mary the Virgin. This is what it says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, 
made of a woman, made under the law. When the fullness of the time was come, what time is he talking about? The, the same part where it says, but now, up here. But now, God commands us all to be believers or to repent. The time now has come. Watch this. Watch in, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. We just read this a few minutes ago, but we left. I didn't read the last part of that verse. 1, 1 Peter chapter 8, 1 and verse 18, it says this, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversations, but with the precious blood of Jesus, of the Lamb without blemish and without spot, watch, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last days for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Before the foundation of the world, it says, but he was now manifested for us in this last time. Watch this. Watch this. God planned the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, to come as the Savior of the world before he ever created the world itself. Now you have to understand here for just a second. This kind of blows me away. You mean that God knew that Jesus was going to have to come and die for our sins? He, he knew before he made Adam and Eve that they were going to sin in the garden? He knew before that they, that they were cast out of the garden that the people were going to get so evil and so corrupt that he was going to have to bring judgment on all the world? He knew that? He knew that Wayne Bickley would be the man that he was going to be and yet he still before the foundation of the world was ever set in place, he was ordained to be my Savior. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can you look at the condition of the world today and God knew it would be in this condition because of his foreknowledge. He knew it was going to be in the condition that it was in, but yet he still sent Jesus to die on the cross so that you and I that believe might be saved. Now, watch this. And I know we've said this verse ever since we was a kid, taught how to forgive the Roman road. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we've heard that a jillion times. But do you realize that God commended his love towards us knowing everything that this world would ever happen he loved us and he set his son aside before he even created this world. That's how much he desires a relationship with you. All the things that we've done God knew that and he still said I'm going to create the world. I want a group of people although it is going to be small according to the scriptures. I would rather send my son to die for the small amount of people that's going to believe in me than not come and not have that relation. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves you. God commended his love towards you and I that while he was, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us knowing good and well how bad a people we were going to be. That's how much he loves us. Here's another scripture. 
talking about the foreknowledge of God. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 and 4, it says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Before the foundation of the world, God had a plan for you to be saved. Oh, I wish we could go back to last week's Sunday school class and give that whole Sunday school class on what it means for God to have predestined us what we would be because He knew before, before He ever laid the foundation of this earth who would be saved and who wouldn't. It didn't mean that he picked and chose. He gave you the free offering to receive or reject him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've got a free choice this morning. Do we realize, do we realize this morning how much Jesus Christ loves you? I'll tell you how much he loves you. He's given you a free choice to serve him or to reject him. He gives you a free choice to believe in him or to not believe in Him. That's how much He loves you. That's why God created man. He would rather have someone that accepted His free love and love Him back than to create a bunch of robots that just bowed down and praised Him. That's what He chose. So we answer the question this morning, when did God plan Christmas? Before He ever laid the foundations of this earth, before you were ever born, before He ever put Adam and Eve on the earth, God planned Christmas because God knew way ahead of time that in order for you and I to have a relationship with Him, He would have to send His Son. Now, understand this, and, and this is probably going a little too deep into the message. The Bible tells us that there's only one God. Alright? So God, it's impossible for God to create another God. Now, did you just catch that? Because if God was able to create another God, then there'd be two gods, and that would make God a liar. So there's no way that God cre could create another God. Now, God, God created the angels. And some people say, well, the angels don't have a free will. Well, Satan chose. He was cast out of heaven. But let me, let me tell you this. The angels don't have a Savior. You hear me? Satan sinned against God. His pride puffed up. He took a third of the angels with him. He was cast out. Hey, listen, they don't have a Savior. God says, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create man in my own image. I'm going to give them a choice whether to accept me or to reject me. Their nature is going to be to do their own will, but I'm going to have a solution before they even come on this earth. I'm going to send my son Jesus and when the time had come, when the fullness of time had come, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, so that you might have everlasting life. God is offering you this morning a free gift of salvation. A free gift. You are, whether you accept it or reject it, we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. But He has made a way for you to accept this free gift. I hope this morning that you will not walk out of here 
without the free gift of Jesus Christ in your life. Forgives us and redeems us from all of our sins. Would you come this morning? Let's stand together as we sing, I Surrender All. Father, I just want to thank you again for this time. I want to thank you for your word, that you use it, and we can search it, and we can find the answers to the questions that we have. God, you have revealed it to us that in this time and day, you have called us all unto repentance, to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he has paid our ransom for our sin. And if we would just simply believe it by faith in our hearts, that you would save us and redeem us. God, I just want to thank you for Christmas. I just want to thank you for the day that you sent your son, Jesus. Prepared the way for us to have an eternal relationship with you. God, I beg this morning that your Holy Spirit would convict our hearts of our worship, convict our hearts of our faith, that you might be pleased with every decision that will be made this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning.